0: Welcome back to the Psyche Podcast, our second ever episode. We hope you have had a fantastic week and that you enjoyed last week's episode and had a chance to think about your why and yeah, come up with some interesting, you know, thoughts about what makes life meaningful for you, what your purpose is, etc., etc. So my week has been pretty busy, um, obviously launching the podcast last week and trying to do some posting on social media about that. And to be honest, I felt quite awkward. I guess maybe it's fair to say, um, posting it because I feel it's quite a personal episode, the first episode of the podcast. And so I felt quite vulnerable kind of putting myself out there in that way because I'm quite chatty with my friends, I guess. But, you know, I have these kind of barriers and I sort of don't tend to be that open about about stuff and uh so yeah to then (laughs) be really open to everyone on the podcast um felt quite vulnerable and was quite um quite an awkward feeling when I when I first posted it but I've had some lovely comments uh from people um appreciating the honesty so that's really um really rewarding to hear so Obviously, had that that feeling of vulnerability, which is something that we're going to discuss in a future episode of the podcast. Um, but today's episode, um, I'm super excited to share with you with the amazing Natalie Christina, um, and I won't introduce her too much because she introduces herself in the podcast. But this was such a fun episode to record. Um, I think we had a really really interesting discussion. And I came away, you know, really thinking about um, my relationship and the language that I use. And, um, yeah, with a couple of really helpful strategies. So we talk about desire. We talk about relationships. We talk about how the language we use impacts the way that we perceive situations. Uh, We talk about finding peace and connecting with the, the sensations in your body and it's just just such a you know it was such a fun discussion to have and I just think it's such a you know an interesting episode we touch on lots of stuff and to be honest we could have kept chatting for ages um so I really hope you enjoy the episode and I'll catch up with you afterwards so we're recording <laughs> Deep breath. Okay, so um I'm here with Natalie, um who has joined us as our very first podcast guest, which is super exciting. So I'm going to hand across to you Natalie to introduce yourself to the listeners.
1: Yay, thank you. I am so excited to be doing this. I know I mentioned that I am also a little bit new to the podcast realm, so full disclosure, that deep breath at the beginning really helped and I might need another one. Um, So yeah, um, my name is Natalie. I go by Natalie Christina online just to avoid confusion. And I am a desire doula and relationship renegade. Um, Also, fun fact, located in Canada. So we are talking across quite a few time zones right now. I feel like I am a time traveler and it is very exciting. (laughs) Um, So really what I am all about is helping women show up for desire in all aspects of their life and really focusing on following desire as a tool into truth in all relationships. Um, I definitely have a passion for romantic relationships, but also seeing how kind of our self-discovery and self-exploration on our own in a romantic partnership can really feed into the rest of our relationships as well. And so a big part of what I do and where the Renegade title comes into play, which we can totally dive into more if you want to, um, is really unpacking the narratives that we've internalized up to the point we're at now um, around desire and our ability to access it and tap into it and where and what that looks like, um, which often can be quite limiting, especially for women, Um, and really unpacking those to see where we can rewrite them in a way that works for us where we're at right now. I do believe fully that we are all resilient, strong, driven individuals. Um, And so we absolutely would not hold on to these narratives if they weren't serving us in some way. So to get really clear on how they've been serving us can also be so liberating and freeing to move forward in a way that serves us even better where we're at right now in our lives.
0: Uh, Amazing. (laughs) So um, I absolutely agree with the kind of resilient and that, yeah, we hold on to things that, you know, when we think about it, like why, why, why am I doing that? Why am I holding on to that? But actually, there's some reason and actually kind of delving into that can be really um, expansive and really informative. Um, I definitely want to dive into the relationship renegade because I've not heard that term (laughs) used before, apart from by you. So please tell us what it means um, to be a relationship renegade.
1: So one of the fun things about being an entrepreneur, as you might know, is you kind of get to coin your own catchphrases along the way. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the one that's resonating for me right now. And I think a big part of that really is um in the virtual spaces I'm in, this is just to give a bit of context, I've definitely noticed relationships being approached through a very specific lens. And a lot of that coming from um what I would attribute to kind of a purity culture upbringing. So the structure of a relationship that we learn as a child with the influence of church or whatever it might be, um, at least that's part of my story for sure. And I can see glimpses of, um, I guess, glimpses of that coming through in other people's, whether it's from the same background or not. Of course, that's their story. I can't know, Um, but that's kind of where I can relate to what I am seeing in terms of the structure of relationship. And, you know, for example, that notion that, our is are everything and anything and needs to check every single box. And I'm coming from a place of, well, no, they don't. And mm-hmm. it actually makes sense that they don't because we have so many other people in our lives to really fulfill our desires and our needs and our wants in terms of relationships. And granted, you might have one romantic partnership and you may have an abundance of friends and family who can help you engage with your other interests and your other turn-ons and the other things that get you excited in life. And I think that's really amazing and it's something that we all um, need. And some of us um, just up to this point maybe haven't been given the tools or the permission to explore it. And so definitely an aspect of that is coming from the I don't know if you consider it a theory, but if you were to look it up, um, relationship anarchy, and this is just kind of the tool (laughs) I've attributed to myself in terms of unpacking how, like going back to those narratives, like the narratives of purity culture have come into play in terms of how I access and show up for a relationship and then realizing where does that work? Where does it not? And being okay to question it. And sometimes questioning it means you reaffirm what you already were doing and that's Mm -hmm. okay too because we get to reaffirm it in a way that at that point is coming from our own personal desires, as opposed to being shown or told or forced onto our situation.
0: Awesome. I, purity culture is something, is a term that I've not heard before. And I'm, I'm sure that we have kind of a similar thing in the UK with religious backgrounds. But could you chat a little bit more about what, what that means when you're talking about purity culture?
1: Yeah. So purity culture really, like my understanding up to this point is coming from, at least for myself, like I was raised Catholic, not super strict, but that's, you know, that's where I first learned sex ed, um, which really was called love and life and was about, okay, one day you'll get married and you'll really love this person and you'll create a baby. And that was the extent of it. Um, Nowhere along the way was I shown um, that it was okay to show up for pleasure outside of that or to investigate it on my own or even just to honor those desires that I had, even if not to follow through on them, but to recognize like it's, it's, it's okay to feel that way. Um, And so it's really sort of the upbringing that took away from my pleasure and my desire and really defined sex and intimacy and romantic partnership as something for the other or as something for a greater purpose outside myself. It was never for Me, And so that's really where I'm coming from when I integrate purity culture into the discussions that I'm having. Um, Absolutely, it can play into a lot more than that. And that's something that I'm unraveling as I go. I'm reading a couple books right now. Um, One is The Four Agreements. Which I think okay. is pretty yeah. popular in the woo world right now. <laughs> and um, the other is about sex magic. And it's really interesting because, yeah, the sex magic book um, more blatantly talks about how purity culture and specifically the label of dark magic, and now I'm not an expert on this, but I find it fascinating, has. Um, been used to guide us back to the ways of church, the ways of purity and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then through reading that and then reading this other book, I'm like, oh, I see the, you know the ju- the juxtaposition that's coming up of good versus evil and that sort of thing, and really being able to relate that back to purity culture. And okay, how can I understand this in a way that feels more peaceful now? And so it's not, that was a roundabout way of answering your question, but it's <laughs> Clearly, I'm really passionate about this. It's not necessarily just in a romantic partnership and in sex. It really Mm -hmm. is in our relationship to the world at large. If I want to sound all mystical, um, to our friends, to our family, and and uh, more specifically to ourselves and how we allow ourselves to show up for that desire or what we might call the pull or the inner knowing or however it presents Mm -hmm. itself, and realizing it is fully okay to allow yourself to move forward following that pull and, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to access that, right? And just having that permission can be really powerful.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's something that, you know, that those messages that you learn when you're, you know, sex ed and um, I think the way I was taught, sex ed um was much more that kind of protection element about safe sex and not creating a baby you know and that I don't think anywhere was pleasure spoken about and the relational aspect of it and intimacy and that kind of thing and if that's the message you're getting about it that you know you know that's what you're picking up and that's what you're internalizing as, you know well it's all about that kind of safety or it's all about a baby it's not about pleasure it's not about that kind of experience and you know so yeah I think that's really important to kind of yeah expand it because if you, the messages you're getting are my pleasure is not important or you know um my um can't think of words <laughs> connection or you know what I'm feeling you said about the pool if you're not hearing that that's important then how do you learn to you know to be able to tune into it and listen to it and to kind of trust that so yeah, I think that's really interesting. And uh, desire doula, is that kind of is it related to that? Because um, obviously doula has got a, a particular connotation. So yeah, with desire, what is uh, desire doula?
1: So really that piece comes down to Helping women tap into what it feels like to have desire. Um, I am a really big proponent of mapping the language we use back onto physical sensations in our body. And I find that those can be really powerful guides. Um, For example, fear. When we feel fear, where does it show up? And then, you know, is it in my stomach? Is it an aching? Is it a pulsing? Is it an acute pain, even? Right. And then, Being able to distinguish between the fear that keeps me safe from, for example, like a predator, like the more evolutionary Mm -hmm. kind of fear, or is it the kind of fear that is preventing me from doing something that would actually be really amazing for me? Is it the fear that comes from what people might say, ego, or wanting a false sense of control and that sort of thing? And being able to really tune into my body and where that sits is a big first step of that. So with that, um, feeling where desire shows up and being able to allow ourselves to experience that desire like what we've been talking about Mm -hmm. and then really helping to guide women to follow that desire and to live in a state of accessing and showing up for and following desire moment to moment of every day Um, and being able to just live in that fully and unapologetically
0: amazing so um yeah, I really like that kind of the sound of tapping in to desire. And actually, I find it really interesting because um, I know when we spoke before desire, is not really that sort of massive part of my vocab. And I don't know if that's sort of a, a British thing <laughs> that we're kind of maybe a bit more reserved, um, you know, of talking about stuff. Um, and I tend to sort of focus on joy as like one of my buzzwords, but I suppose there's that kind of parallel. It's a, you know, a different word for um, the kind of same experience of that you know tapping into things and um, and actually um, the fear talking about fear and why you feel it in your body and one of the things that I like to say to myself you know when I when I feel fear I get the kind of butterflies in my stomach and that kind of thing and excitement feels exactly the same way you know on a body level what's happening in my body when I'm excited is the same as when I'm afraid so you know, obviously predator, that's a legitimate fear. But if it's that fear that's holding me back, I like to sort of tell myself I'm excited rather than I'm afraid. And so I find that's quite, you know, a kind of shift in mindset that, that's really useful for, for going forward. Uh, so I've got a couple of questions I ask everyone. Uh, so the first one is what always boosts your mood?
1: Okay, so I'm not going to lie. My first response is chocolate. And my second one is coffee, uh, (laughs) Um, but yeah. (laughs) yeah, And I want to segue back just a little bit. Like I love that you're pointing out kind of the difference in semantics and how they can really bring about the same impact. And that is something that I am all about. Like we all absolutely need to find the language that works for us. And it's also really amazing to kind of learn the different language people are using to show up for the same things and kind of bring about um, the same outcome, but in their own individual way. And I really like kind of chatting through that. So thank you for sharing that. I find that fascinating and I absolutely <laughs> agree. I think joy and desire and that state of living in those sounds very parallel in the way that you and I speak about it. And I love that yeah. um, in terms of boosting my mood. So there's kind of two things that come to mind. One is thinking back to when I was more at like the triage stage of my journey where um you know, if I had a less peaceful thought come up or there was the icky kind of fear feeling or sadness or remorse or whatever it was. And I did not know how to be alone through that. I didn't, it, it would just spiral. And thinking back to when I was at that point, a tool that really helped to just have a pause and get out of my head for a bit and to gain a bit of perspective was I would call up to three people in my phone and just call them and ask how they were doing. And that was it. And so if I didn't get through to them, I'd just leave a voicemail and say, hey, so and so um, just thought of you wanted to call and see how you're doing. You know, feel free to give me a call back when you have a chance. Okay, bye. Like that's all it needed to be. Um, But sometimes that active way of taking pause and getting out of my own head was really helpful to ground. And it may have only lasted, you know, one, five, 10 minutes. But that's one to 10 minutes that I wasn't stewing in my own thoughts and, you know, negative self-talk, if you want to call it that, and and whatever that was. And so for those 10 minutes, I wasn't feeling worse about myself. And, and that was really helpful and really valuable. Um, moving to where I'm at now, I've kind of come out to the complete opposite end of that, where I really value solitude. And so it doesn't feel like loneliness anymore. It really is solitude and sometimes that honestly is just having a weekend where I get I get to work all weekend as I want to though on my own schedule on my business and you know if I'm feeling a little bit tired or whatever I can just lay on my couch and sometimes I will just lay on my couch and stare at the ceiling but like it feels good. Like, I know I need that in that moment. Um, and I also, okay, I also really like birds. I have this Instagram friend who I won't name, but we met on Instagram and we both love pigeons. And so another thing that I will sometimes do is, <laughs> I know, um, put my phone on silent or down. I usually bring it with me because, like, I'm a woman walking around by myself just to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll walk to this little lake that's nearby my house and, um, And there's all these trees surrounding it. So you can't so much see the houses that are around it and just watch the birds. And it's like a 10 minute walk, but it helps create that same pause that I would get from calling other people. Um, And so those are kind of some tools that I've used to, I don't know if it's necessarily like mood booster, but it it just helps me feel okay and feel peaceful. And it, it really does help recharge for me. And so that's been really valuable
0: awesome I'm not sure I get the pigeon thing because we have a lot of pigeons but you know what um we I don't know <laughs> no? um but we feed the birds in our garden and we quite often get starlings and so that's actually really nice in the morning to kind of wake up to the bird song and we quite often yeah. have the sort of the door open during the day if the weather's nice uh, which has been luckily over the summer um and so we have that bird song and that's yeah. really nice to kind of ground you know to nature. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's really powerful. Something you said about that kind of, you know, lying on um, on the sofa and kind of looking at the, the ceiling and like giving yourself that permission to to give yourself what you need. And sometimes that is just to do nothing. I mean, I love a nap. Sometimes <laughs> <when> <laughs> I'm feeling really like drained, overwhelmed. And I'm like, I'm just going to have a nap. Um, because, and you know, and it's that recognizing that is what I need. And that is okay to sort of take that, that time for myself and kind of value myself Mm -hmm. enough to to kind of yeah take that time out and and I also um you said about that kind of solitude now rather than loneliness and I wonder whether that's partly you know as you become more comfortable with your with yourself where you're at that um you're more at ease with your own thoughts so it doesn't feel so um I don't know what the word is like almost like claustrophobic just kind of being Mm -hmm. with yourself that it's more peaceful because you are more at peace with yourself. So you can enjoy being by yourself without kind of all the thoughts going and everything.
1: Does that kind of sound like, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that description that, yeah, claustrophobic. I think that's really like hits the nail on the head and um, absolutely that I think that's a big part of it is just being more okay and being at the point where I can sit back and you know say there is something that's come up that's bothering me that's you know less peaceful whatever you know a conflict with a friend or a partner or whatever that might be, you know, I'm now able to take a deep breath. One name what I need. Um, so if it is sitting on the couch, it might still be calling a friend or getting out or whatever. Um, but to be able to identify that for myself and also to realize nothing's going to change in the next ten minutes. Like it's okay to just be for the next 10 minutes. Whereas I think um, at the beginning of my journey or if I'm not tapping into my spiritual connection and these practices that I have in place, that same thought could very quickly send me on that spiral into that claustrophobic feeling, um, that catastrophic feeling where this is the everything and anything and I need to do something right now. Um, And it feels really lovely to be able to step back from that. And also to acknowledge where I have moved forward from, because that absolutely has been my truth at times. And it wasn't wrong. It was just what I was capable of in that space. And Mm -hmm. to be able to learn and grow through it and be supported is an important part of my journey. And I think um, maybe you can relate, but having those reminders when we're where we're at now, be like, okay, this is what I did in the past, this is how it did or didn't serve me. Now I can move forward in this way. And to be able to use that as a guide is really powerful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that being able to reflect uh, can be such a tricky skill. I mean, I've um I know a friend I've been talking to about kind of reflection, and it's you know it can be quite a foreign kind of concept to sort of get your head around if you've never done it, but I think that being able to look back at, yet, yeah, like you said, things that have, have worked before or not and to be able to kind of draw a lesson out of that and, um, you know, to think about, you know, what you actually need. And I think, you know, for me, sometimes it's rest because <laughs> I, I tend to sort of go all out um, yeah. and have lots of stuff on. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I want to kind of shut myself away from people because I've had, you know, so much peopling I call it <laughs> so much peopling that I need that sort of downtime but then sometimes you know I want to chat to people not chat complete nonsense with people and it's that kind of connection and kind of looking at the different behaviors if you like and thinking like what is the actual thing that I need in
1: mm-hmm. that
0: situation and yeah and, and you know and then I guess when you are in the less peaceful space like you were saying trying to think like okay well connection worked for me before so how can I you know, try that Mm -hmm. and see if that works or, you know, rest worked for me before or, you know, and sort of having a toolkit, I think that's quite the kind of thing. Having, you know, because different situations need different tools. So having kind of a bank of things and that's one of the big things I think from this podcast is giving people ideas for different tools or different strategies that they can Mm -hmm. use. And we're definitely going to come back to that later to see (laughs) if you've got any (laughs) you want to share with people. Um, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. uh, So my next question Uh, so I've got kind of my two buzzwords if you like joy and then sort of meaning um Mm -hmm. and sort of trying to have like a meaningful life so what makes life meaningful for you
1: Hmm. okay I love this question um there's a couple things that come to mind so one I think is at the baseline of it for me um if we're kind of bringing it into like my purpose is like mm-hmm. sharing experience and being of service. And so if I can look at every opportunity that comes into my life through that lens, that definitely creates that meaning. Um, where that comes from for me, I kind of have a baseline thought that, and my partner and I actually have used this phrase, especially because, so it's, it's not news to people who know me. I'm in a long distance relationship. It's a short, long distance relationship, but it does mean that we really only get to see each other every weekend or every other weekend. And it's been that way for over three and a half years. And so, yeah, (laughs) with that, there's a lot of pressure on every second we get to have together. And it really, kind of forced us into a space where we valued every second we had together. And so from the beginning, a phrase that we often repeated to each other was everything is now. And, you know, that also comes down to being in a long distance relationship. You don't know, I mean, any relationship, but especially long distance, you don't know how that's going to work out in five, 10 years. We live in different countries. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's a lot of unknowns there, but in the here and now, I know I'm exactly where I want to be and where I'm supposed to be. And so it's really about for me being fully present for the moment that I'm in and really approaching that with every single individual moment holds all the meaning I could ever need. And so just bringing back to the present and being there in that space. Um, And so even like a baseline thing that I started doing years ago, like I mentioned, I think before we started talking, I don't really own a set of headphones, because if I'm in transit, I'm not plugged in, because I want to be present for the sounds and the movement and the potential conversations and interactions I could have. And so for me, that was a really big first step in creating meaning in those small moments and being open to whatever could come my way. Um, And a lot of that goes back to this author, a uh, philosopher that I really love. There's a book called I and Thou by Martin Buber. And I don't know if I am fully interpreting his message accurately. However, what I got from that book is that people are necessary because we create the space in which God, higher power source, whatever manifests. Um, and so Really, it's about being present, like I said, for every interaction, whether it's being fully present when I witness the sun shining through the leaves of a tree, or being fully present and remaining open with my posture, arms at my side for a conversation with my partner, um, or just showing up with my phone off to go through a course that I've invested in, whatever it is, when I'm fully present in that way, the space between me and that thing or that person that I'm engaging with is where higher power enters a situation. And another kind of gem that I picked up along the way with my journey is God is everything or else he is nothing. And um, like I said, use whatever language feels okay for you. I feel okay using that term, even though for me, higher power isn't a he, it's not a person, it's not a whatever. Um, I just kind of use that phrase in the way that it shows up for me. Um, But really that's for me about Realizing that my higher power, love, unity, whatever it is, um, is there in every interaction. And I can be present and allow that space for that to manifest and to bear witness to that, which is pretty magical and also very meaningful.
0: Amazing. And I really like that everything is now. And because I think, you know, we can get so hung up in what happened in the past and what happened in the future, but they are never going to actually happen because the only actually in the present anyway they're both abstract concepts for you know kind of time and how we conceptualize time but we only ever have the moment that we're in so you know if you're spending all that time obsessing about what's going to come or what's happened you're not actually living you're not actually kind of experiencing um, I find the headphones really interesting because I'm kind of the opposite I think <laughs> that I maybe it's because you know not having too much peopling that I like to zone out um and then if I'm driving around I, I mean I love listening to podcasts when I drive and I find that um I find them really expansive so I, so I kind of get into that and and also music like having a little sing-on to myself uh, I love singing in the car <laughs> <laughs> and But do you know what, actually in a way I find that, that I feel quite present when I'm doing it rather than sort of I guess zoning out and being with my thoughts when I'm driving actually. Mm. If I'm singing or if I'm engaging with something I'm listening to, then that does bring me into the now. And I suppose mm-hmm. when I'm in my car <laughs> there's not much chance for other conversations, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. but I find that interesting. Yeah, So I constantly have my sort of my big headphones on. Um, mm-hmm. So I think uh, that's quite an interesting kind of difference. Um, my next question uh, for you. So I sort of talk about mental wellness um, because I think a lot of the time the focus is on that mental illness. And actually I think we could all benefit from thinking about mm. mental wellness and how we look after ourselves. So the question is what does mental wellness mean to you and how do you look after your own mental well-being?
1: Oh boy. So, <laughs> this, <laughs> so this is another one where this is not a term that I typically use. And so okay. it's it's kind of fun to be challenged in this way to map it back onto the words that I'm used to and see how that relates. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that comes up for me when I hear the term mental well being or mental wellness is sort of groundedness. Mm-hmm. Um And for me, that really comes down once again to a physical feeling. And so it's checking in with, um, for me, it's kind of that feeling when almost everything from my chest up feels light and like it's a bit lifted. And at the same time, I feel like my muscles are all relaxed down to the earth and like my feet have kind of just joined with the earth. And so that's kind of like really that grounded feeling, but it's a, it's a comforting weight to my body, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and so using that as a check-in point for when things feel more peaceful or when I've taken action or said something or whatever it might be that I guess in these terms contributes to my mental well-being, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of use that as a guide that way. Um and so i guess for me what it would mean is living in that state of that physical sensation and being able to navigate back into that sensation as kind of life ebbs and flows
0: and i suppose when you're you know you're talking about the different physical sensations and kind of checking in with how you're feeling and those they're kind of telling you when something's off you know um, and i think if times when i've not been mentally well you know, I'm completely disconnected from my body sometimes, or maybe I've got sort of the tension in my shoulders or in my back or somewhere. So actually, yeah, by to kind of, you know, using that as your your focus of, you know, when I'm well, this is what it feels like. So that mm-hmm. when you're not feeling that, you can kind of check in, and it's yeah, sort of signaling to you that, that something's not right, and to to explore that. And I think that's a really powerful tool <laughs> that people can use because I don't tend to yeah. think. Um, I think I quite often am sort of living in my head and I sort of try and trying to connect more you know with the physical so I think that's a really powerful process to use to kind of think about what it feels like when you're at peace and in a good place and then you know using that to sort of help you get back to that grounded place Mm -hmm. so thank you for sharing that that's fab um the other thing i talk about a lot is mindset which i think is like a big buzzword (laughs) at the moment for a lot of people um so could you describe um i think we probably touched on this a bit through what we spoke about already but could you describe your mindset sort of how you um approach life
1: so it's funny you say this um i actually (laughs) i recorded an episode of my youtube channel that just posted like somewhat recently and um When my friend and I were coming up with the topic to go into, she had said mindfulness. And my response was, Mm -hmm. what even is that? Because I agree, it is (laughs) such a buzzword in the community. And that's a big part of why I find mapping onto these physical sensations can be really powerful. Because we talk about a feeling, but we don't talk to the actual experience. So like, you know, well, it was aligned and it was you know, whatever. But okay, but how do you know it's aligned? How do you feel that as opposed to telling that, if that makes sense? Um, yeah. And so mindset. For me, a big shift was when someone gave me the language to use, and you'll have heard me saying this throughout our talk already, of identifying things as more and less peaceful as opposed to good and bad or positive negative. Um, For me, that helped a whole bunch. Um, I think the terms positive and negative or good and bad, um, one, in a sense, come from that purity culture background, but that's a topic for another day. Um, (laughs) Two, they really created a pressure that, especially when I was at the beginning of my journey, I could not handle it. Um, And I remember calling a mentor of mine at the time, and I was just crying and her she kind of was like it's okay it'll get better and i was like no that's the problem it did so how much is it going to suck when it gets bad again right and mm-hmm. so for me that felt heavy and that felt scary and honestly terrifying i did not want to make things better because i was used to my baseline kind of neutral level to the stuff that mm-hmm. felt sucky and if i experienced good i'm doing air quotes right now for anyone listening if i experienced good <laughs> then how would that impact my experience of the bad? It would be detrimental. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then another mentor that came along the way really helped me to scrap that language and brought in the language of peaceful and of operating on this continuum and allowing for that ebb and flow. And that really did help me to find a level of acceptance. And I think that's really played into now talking about sometimes I need to just not sometimes like the most productive thing I can do is intentionally take time to lay on the couch and look at my ceiling and pet my cat. And like, that okay. feels peaceful for me now. Um mm-hmm. And that language has helped me get to the point where I can be okay with that, so I don't know if that fully answers your question, but hopefully <laughs> it kind of does but
0: <laughs> well, it it does because I think yeah, the mindset is that kind of like your outlook on life, and so that's you know how you're thinking about situations about whether it's that more or less peaceful and that's you know how you're navigating life and um I just want to pick up on the mindfulness because I think that yeah, that is such a such a big thing, and I listen to um A podcast yesterday from the British Psychological Society and it was about mindfulness and and whether mindfulness is the kind of all that we sort of say it is Um, and it's kind of I think you know what they sort of concluded was that yes it can be really useful in line with other sort of therapy approaches but we still haven't finished studying it to get the kind of actual data that says yeah it's you know but I think a big part of mindfulness is that connecting to the moment and it is that grounding so I think that definitely does tie in you know and again like you said it's semantics you know you could call it mindfulness you could call it grounding or being present and I think they all kind of speak to the same kind of experience Mm -hmm. in my opinion anyway (laughs) which could be different from someone else's yeah um but I really like that idea of that kind of you know continuum and that sort of like you said that kind of if you hang on to the good air quotes again um (laughs) you know the good thing I think there is value in the bad air quotes bad <laughs> things as well because you know um they're really you learn from them don't you You kind of mm-hmm. you know you go through something that sucks and you kind of think like well you know I, d- I don't want to feel that again or what was it or you know and I think I've lived so much of my life um on this numb plateau like depression and stuff and I and so I find that you know when I think about what mental wellness is and what i'm looking for is that being able to have those highs and being able to have the the peaceful the you know the good air quotes (laughs) but also being able to experience those kind of lows as well because i think you learn from those and i don't want to just have that sort of gray nothingness where you've got no enjoyment and i think i want to have um enjoyable experiences but i also want to keep growing and developing and i think one of the best ways to do that is through you know, those lower bits, those things that don't feel right or those things that, yeah, just they kind of make you question things or, you know, so, um, yeah, I think it's that kind of journey and it's that continuum yeah. and I think, yeah, that peaceful, non, not less peaceful, I think, is really useful language to kind of help think about it because um, I think a lot mm-hmm. of what we think of as good and bad comes from, you know, society and our upbringing and all those shoulds that we have and I think that can hold us back so much when you're like I can't I can't do that because I shouldn't do that and I think that's really restrictive and actually Mm -hmm. moving away from that language to think about how it feels for you I think is a really powerful powerful thing so thank you for sharing that
1: absolutely I think one thing that you brought up for me just then too is like a big thing I got from the language of using the peaceful, less peaceful is, you know, cause really awful things are going to happen. Like not to be a damper on this conversation, but you know, one of those mentors, the mentor that gave me that gem, she's no longer with us. And processing that was not a, a good feeling. It wasn't a positive feeling. That being said with the supports I had and the toolbox that I had access to at that time, I could move through it relatively peacefully and mm-hmm. so that language helped me have a little bit more acceptance and to be a little bit more gentle with myself moving through that. And in that sense, it was very constructive and felt more supportive, I think, than the language that I'd initially started with. Um, so hopefully that makes a bit of sense, but I think that's something important to bring up.
0: Yeah. Well, that does. And I think particularly, you know, loss, like like um, the example you just gave, it's, you know, if you're trying to look for positives or goods, that you know, if you've lost someone who is important to you, then, you know, there's probably not going to be a good from, from that. You might be like, well, I'm going to live my life to the full now, but, you know, actually losing the person isn't going to be positive. So actually having that different language to help you to deal with it and accept it, I think is yeah, really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think grief is such another, another topic. For yeah, us today. we could do
1: another one on that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Such a big area, but um yeah, I think that's a really useful kind of, you know, language to help people going through that. Um so um we've kind of talked about toolbox, it's like a new word that's yeah, kind of come I like up us through this oh, Yeah, I like it. Um so um one thing I sort of like to finish with, although, you know, we can keep chatting, I'm not saying <laughs> winding it up, um, is to sort of give people between one and three things that people can actually put in place today that will have a transformative impact on their life. So some things they can put in their toolbox and just start using now.
1: So, okay. I think that the one that (laughs) I have been really latching on to lately is – being aware when we get swept up into analysis. So when we are, and like we've, we've touched on, um, seeing when we're using language to talk about something as opposed to being present for the experience. And so talking about, you know, making the lists, it felt aligned, it did, did you know, whatever, um, And using that language, even the mindfulness language, Mm -hmm. to bring it back to our actual experience and what it's feeling like. And so I think kind of like a, you know, a a three-step process would be to identify when we are going through that analysis. So when our process about a specific thing that's come up is solely between our ears and it's all repeating language that we've heard in social media or in the wellness community, take note of that. And if there's a certain word that keeps repeating, um, label where that comes up in your body. So if it's feeling that way, where is it sitting? And even just taking the time to write that out on paper, um, because it absolutely might be that this thing that has come up is aligned for you or is your truth. And then we can start to kind of build up a a repertoire, if that's the right word, of Mm -hmm. the sensations that for us mean we are living in alignment and living authentically. Um, So that eventually we don't necessarily need to move through that analysis and the thoughts and that somewhat of a spiral. And we can just, the instant we feel that way, we know and we can move forward from that. And, Mm -hmm. And that's how I think people talk about living intuitively. I would say that kind of is for me at least, how that presents itself is being able to feel into that first thought and know that that is my truth and that's the way that I need to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. And I think you had some really good um, throughout this sort of strategies about that connecting to the body. And I think for me, I'm going to add something to the toolbox as well. Yeah, let's do um, it. <laughs> which is that thinking <laughs> about that peace, more peaceful and less peaceful because I think that is a really powerful you know, thing to think about and that sort of coming back to, you know, I just, I like to think about that kind of being okay, you know, and I think lots of people get caught up on like being happy. And I'm not saying it's wrong to strive for happy. But I think, you know, if you try and fixate on being happy all the time, it's not achievable. And I just want to be okay, that kind of centered. um, And I guess that's like my word for being peaceful. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, using that sort of thing to think about am I feeling more or less peaceful um you know if I've um done something or gone somewhere do I feel more or less peaceful because of it and sort of using that vocabulary and adding Mm. that into my toolbox so thank you for sharing that Um, I I want to come back to something yeah from way at the beginning (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) about the relationship renegade actually um and this idea of um you know, the expecting your partner to be all things and everything to you. And I just think from my, my personal view of this is I feel if someone was looking at me in that way, that is so much pressure, isn't it? To be like, I have to be everything to this person. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's not realistic, is it, to kind of expect we're all really complex people with really complex interests and, and passions and to expect just one person to be everything to you. I mean, it's <laughs> a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah. And to me, honestly, it goes back to that high school relationship, right? Like. I don't know, some people, maybe you, I can definitely remember when friends started dating, or even when I started dating someone in high school. It was like that was the person you were with 24 7. You probably didn't Mm -hmm. hang out with other friends independently. Um, If you were in a group, you were together in that group. And if you weren't, at least for me, I was probably terrified of what was going on because I needed to be there to make sure everything was okay. And on it went. Right. And so now, a side note, a long distance relationship is a great solution to work through those insecurities and fears. Um, Also a topic for another day, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, a prime example. I know I commented on some of your posters when we started talking, like my partner loves anime and loves video Mm -hmm. games. I do not like those things. It's, (laughs) It's not something I choose to invest my time in. Um, And so, yeah, I am not going to be the person to. I'll watch the odd episode because obviously, there's. I think there's an aspect of we want to support, we want to engage to an extent that you know they feel we're generally interested in what excites them. It doesn't mean I'm interested in that specific thing, and my partner is fully aware of that. Um, (laughs) But then past that, you know, yeah, have nights to go to your friend's house and play your video games, or currently. Uh, He's actually in the next room plugged in playing a game with his friend who lives in the States and, you know, just allowing space for that. And like, it's okay. And like for me, um, you know, a a prime example in my relationship with my partner is um, he is, uh, I guess, an extroverted introvert. Is that the word? So he needs social everything, social stimuli to to feel good and to feel fulfilled, I am more the opposite where I have a very social day to day and I need that downtime. So our priorities are different in that regard. And I am not the person who can give him that social that he needs in his mm-hmm. extra time. And similarly, like this weekend, yeah, he's here. Um, but we've been in separate rooms a lot of it because I was able to vocalize like, I need time by myself this weekend. I'm feeling a need to kind of withdraw and and be alone. Um And, you know, my interest with like what we're talking about and, and with the projects that I have going on, I mean, he did, he did buy me my microphone, so he's definitely supportive (laughs) and he's probably not going to watch the videos that I post. And that's okay because that's not his interest. I have a community built up around that who supports that part of my life. Um, And so just being aware of where those things come into play. And if it's something that's not, I think if we're going to talk toolbox, like how can we kind of work through this is just like a baseline. If it's something that my partner doesn't really engage in and, and isn't as interested in, but it's something that's important to me, really getting clear on, okay, well, is this, you know, a non-negotiable for me in my romantic partnership first off, because it very well might be for you having dinner together once a week might be the thing that you have to have. And they might Mm -hmm. be on a completely different schedule with no hope to change it and whatever that is. So you get to decide what you do with that. Um, So now if it's not a non-negotiable, then really looking outside to my community to see where I can fill that need and feel nourished in that way, Um, also in a way that feels okay in my romantic partnership so that they're comfortable with and kind of moving forward from there. And that's kind of where I would start with navigating that. Granted, there's probably Mm -hmm. feelings that will come up around, oh, but they're not this person for me anymore and, and that kind of thing. And I think that would kind of be the next step of the process, but really just identifying and then seeing opportunities to engage with that elsewhere would be a really powerful first step
0: yeah and I it's interesting you say about your partner in the other room because um I remember when I first started dating my partner and I'd sort of you know go to his for the for the weekend and actually quite often we would just be doing our own thing but in the same space and I think that's a really good sign that you can kind of be comfortable around each other but not having to be the kind of um entertainment for that person for the whole time (laughs) that you're comfortable in yourself um and, you know, we've got shared interests, things that we do together that are our together things. And we have our mm-hmm. own interests as well. And, you know, I quite like going to the theatre. He does not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wouldn't want to drag him along if he's going to fall asleep, which is what would happen. Um but he, so honestly it was particularly Shakespeare, I think. Um yeah. but you know, he's kind of supportive of my interest. So I remember for um for Christmas a couple of years ago, actually the year we went to Canada uh, for Christmas, um, he got me two tickets to go and see um a Matthew Bourne ballet, which is like a gothic ballet. It's you know cool. really fun. Yeah. I know, really random, but fun. And he got me two tickets and it was that kind of like, I will go with you if you if you want, but you take a friend. So kind of supporting my interest, but obviously in a way that's respectful, the fact that it's not his kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he's into really weird world cinema or old cinema that I'm not into. And so we have that kind of, you know, our own interests, but we accept each other's interests and we're not kind of forcing ourselves, you know, our things on the other person. And I think that's actually a really healthy relationship dynamic to be able to have those conversations and like you say you know figuring out the the non-negotiables that you need to have in a relationship but I think being a more balanced person in yourself but also in your romantic relationships and other relationships is not expecting everything from that person it's actually kind of I you know I was um, I heard something the other day someone referred to partner as other half and this is something that I kind of I really just don't like because I'm like, um, he's not my other half I'm whole <laughs> in myself yep. but I don't mm-hmm. need someone and I think that was actually a real development from that kind of you know when you are younger and you kind of like clinging to a relationship or you kind of you, know, if you need it and actually as you kind of grow more comfortable in yourself and accepting yourself actually realizing well I don't need someone to complete me mm-hmm. um I'm whole in myself I don't need another half and so I think that yeah being able to you know have things to share with your partner but also having you know needs or whatever that are met by other people or, or by yourself um whether it's friends or whatever I think is actually a really healthy you know mm-hmm. thing for yourself
1: absolutely yeah
0: yeah I felt like I waffled on <laughs> a little bit about no, that I love one. that
1: no it's honestly that's it's so powerful and that's something that Another gem I picked up along the way someone shared, it was kind of looking at it as um, each person in the relationship is a full circle and we choose to kind of interlock with this person, but we're not resting on them. We just kind of almost orbit each other and learn from each other and observe and hold space for, um, but we're still independent circles and I think absolutely that's really important. And, you know, it might change throughout the relationship. I mean, we're all going to be growing and developing. And at certain times, one of us might feel more like a half and the dynamic might change a little bit. But I think being aware of that and working towards the space where we are each or all um, full circles, you know, living our own lives, our own truths and learning and supporting each other, learning from and supporting each other is really important. And um is kind of that that paradigm or whatever that we can kind of work towards and to live in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think you know if you've got you know your whole circle ideally, um, and you've got your own interest, it gives you stuff to talk about when you come back together. Mm-hmm. In it, you know, I think if you're always if you're overlapping circles <laughs> and if you are <laughs> always doing exactly the same things, like you know what do you talk about on it? I mean, you can get into like really deep existential conversations obviously <laughs> but if you're always doing the same things then you can't be like well how was your day it's like, well, <laughs> so well <laughs> it was my day it was my day the same it kind of gives you those yeah. kind of you know you have different experiences and you can bring those back to the relationship mm-hmm. um so yeah um so uh is there anything else that you want to chat about that we've kind of touched on or
1: Oh, man, I feel like we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, <laughs> Especially considering for me, it's like just now 11 a.m. And then you're going more towards <laughs> bedtime. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Dinner time, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not quite bedtime. I mean, the sun's still up, you know, um, so just about. Yeah. Um, so um, how can people connect with you if they want to know more about the amazing work that you're doing?
1: Um, So the easiest way is probably through my Instagram. So that's at I am Natalie Christina spelled with a K. Um, Absolutely. Anyone can DM me anytime. And I also do offer free discovery calls um, where I just absolutely love like we're doing to just get to know new people, offer any experience and support in whatever way feels aligned for the individual. Um, And then also through my Instagram is where I link up to the other things that I'm doing. So um, you'll find my community of desire, which is a newsletter that goes out roughly every month. And that's really like a first point of contact to hear about the new projects and programs I'm developing, any updates along the way, and also exclusive offerings for um, sort of some free live chats that I'm going to be hosting over the next couple of months. So that's pretty exciting. Um, also links to my YouTube channel. So that's my coffee time. Very similar idea to what we're doing here, um, but with the visual component. And that's really a space where I jump on with a friend and just magical humans to really rant about a specific topic that's going on right now. So I mentioned mindfulness, and that is an exciting one that came out this past week. Um mm-hmm. I also invite anyone who wants to, to link up with me on Facebook, on my personal page. i always open to new friends. I do live uh, videos there every Wednesday. And all of that is linked in my Instagram bio. So that's probably the easiest way to kind of jump on and connect.
0: Awesome. And we can probably put um, a link to your Instagram in the show notes. Perfect. Show notes is a whole new thing to put my head around. but <laughs> And uh, anything else. <laughs> it you feels so fancy saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm sure like after a couple of these, I'll be like, oh yes, I'm gonna put it in the show notes. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, this has been so much fun. Um, And for, you know, like a first interview, it's been a dream. So thank you so much um, oh, for coming you. on and yeah, for such an interesting conversation.
1: So. Oh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm so grateful that we have connected and I'm excited to watch your project as it grows. Yes, <laughs> thank you
0: very much. Wow uh, thank you again to Natalie for joining me for the discussion and I hope you found it as interesting and enjoyable as I did being in it um, and I really um, have taken quite a lot away from that, that I've been sort of putting in place since we recorded it that trying to think about being at peace and you know whether things are more or less peaceful and also you know in particular thinking about checking in with my body and kind of you know um tuning into what i'm feeling and where i'm feeling that in the body because you know as i sort of mentioned i think that i live so much of the time in my head so um i think that's really important to just yeah connect and to ground into the body so definitely i would recommend checking out natalie on social media on instagram um, and we'll put the link in the show notes. you know, for anything kind of desire and relationship related. So yeah, check her out. And um, yeah, you can connect with me, remember, as well on Instagram at Psyche Coaching, And it's the same for Twitter and Facebook as well. So um, one thing that we're going to do each week is answer a question that somebody has asked. So uh, for this week, it was in response to thinking about your why, and the question was, you know, for this person, travel is something that kept coming up that they kept thinking about, um, that they love to travel, and wondering why they loved it so much, how it helps them mentally and spiritually, and whether travelling can come under well-being. And so, absolutely, it can come under well-being, and I think you know that idea of well-being is you being well being connected, you know, being balanced or whatever language you want to use. But that kind of, you know, contentment or happiness and that will look different for different people because we all have different interests and different things that are important to us and different things that we need to take care of ourselves. And obviously there might be similarities and things that benefit most of us, but we're all unique. And, you know, if if travel is something that you are passionate about, that you find enjoyable then absolutely you know it's it can be part of your well-being and I think what you know thinking about the reasons why it's useful I mean that's really you know an activity for you to kind of think about what is it you get from it you know if thinking about experiences you've had traveling that have been really enjoyable what what is the kind of nitty-gritty if you like that you know you're really craving if you're sort of sat there thinking like I wish I (laughs) I wish I was I was traveling I wish I was on holiday is it that sense of adventure is it that experience of other cultures and meeting new people is it a sense of freedom that you get when you travel is it that when you go to new places you feel like a different person because maybe you're free of those kind of constraints that you put on yourself in your day-to-day life and that can be really useful as well to try and pinpoint what it is that you're getting from that experience because then you can think about how you can add more of that into your day-to-day so if what I you know particularly enjoy from it is different cultures well is there a way that I can experience that closer to home because you know we can't all spend all our time traveling as much as we like to unless you have a job that involves traveling you know for most people it's something that you kind of fit in around work. And, you know, one of the big things I talk about is this idea that, you know, not just living for those big events, that one holiday a year, or, you know, that big social event you're looking forward to, because life is, you know, the day to day, it's everything. It's not just these couple of big events in the year, or in your lifetime. And so, you know, if we can pinpoint the thing that, you know, you're really looking for in that experience, You can, we can try and think about ways to add more of that into the day-to-day so that there is more joy or more desire, to use Natalie's words, in your day-to-day, you know, because otherwise, if it's just all focused on the future, planning your next trip, and then maybe when you're in it, you can't really connect with it because you're then thinking about the fact it's going to end. And then when you get back, you're then kind of in the past thinking about what's on and you're in the future thinking about your next trip so actually you know you're not enjoying it to its full extent um and it's just like a I don't know Apache life if you're always just looking forward to those events which are never going to live up to that pressure of being you know the be all and end all of your happiness so yes absolutely travel or anything there for you personally you know makes you have that sense of wellness is important and is part of your well-being and you can leave it just as that, that it's something that's important to you or you can look at what it is that experience is giving you and thinking about how you can add more of that into your day-to-day. So that's my answer (laughs) hopefully um, that's a useful perspective, a useful thing to think about and um, yeah please ask us questions so that We can answer them in future episodes and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do rate and review wherever you've listened to it and please do share it with friends, family, anyone that you think it might be useful to. And we will chat to you next week. Have a good week. Thank you. Bye.